Matthew 24. How's everybody doing today? Good. Well, we've been working our way through Genesis on Sunday morning, but uh, I'm going to take a break from Genesis this week, and we're, we're going to take a, a little time to talk about Bible prophecy. So um, I shared a few weeks ago, if you were here, that we live in some very interesting times. W- would you agree with that? Good. Um, and, and so let me just read to you from my notes from January when we talked about Bible prophecy. I said, you know, I remember as 2020 was coming to a close, how many people were saying, I can't wait for 2020 to end and begin 2021 just so things could get back to Yeah, and yet 2021 turned out to be anything but normal. And uh, as we were teaching that, the big headline was that the Mayo Clinic had just let go of 700 medical workers because they had concerns about taking the vaccine and they were, they were let go. And uh, one of the things that we said at that time is that during the pandemic, those who were the heroes in the pandemic quickly became the zeros after that. And so that was in my notes from from just a few weeks ago. And so the the question then becomes, well, what's next? What what does the Bible say? Well, this past week, we saw war break out in the Ukraine. And uh, interesting that this time it has the actual potential of affecting us. And I'm not saying that bombs are going to be falling on America. We pray that that doesn't happen. But but I think that we're going to feel at least some of the effects of that. So When I look at the events of the world, I always look through the lens of Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy is so important. Understanding Bible prophecy is so important because if we don't understand what the Bible says, we can become panicked very quickly as we look at the things taking place around us. So here's why I love Bible prophecy. Please write this down. You're probably tired of writing it down, but just one more time. this week. Um, But Bible prophecy helps us understand that things aren't falling apart, but they are falling into place. And uh, it's actually happening just as the Bible said. So today we're going to look at something that we've looked at several times through the years. For some of you, this is going to be by way of review, although we'll talk about a few different things today that we didn't really talk about in the last time. But for some of us, this might be brand new. And so either way, uh, by way of review or brand new, either way, it's, it's, it's all good. Well, our story begins in Matthew 24. It's just literally a few days before Jesus would go to the cross. And uh, it begins in chapter 24, verse 1. It says, and remember, this is just a few days before the cross. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, they point out the temple buildings. He says, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And uh, you know that that happened in 70 AD. The, the Roman military comes in, they destroy the temple, and they literally take every stone apart from the temple. And it's at that point, 70 AD, that Israel ceases to exist as a nation, at least in their homeland. The, the people go into literally the four corners of the earth. 
So Jesus says this to the disciples, and they're a little shocked about this because it's the temple, and they're expecting that everything's going to turn around and be great, and Jesus is going to usher in the kingdom of God and you know, all, all of that. So they wait till they're alone with Jesus, and they come to him privately, and they ask three questions. And uh, you want to always highlight that there are three questions. So verse 3, it says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So this is going to turn into a private briefing. Now, very quickly, disciples, are those believers or non-believers? They're believers. So this is going to be a private briefing for believers. So you want to keep that in mind. His disciples came to him privately saying, and three questions, you want to write these, put one, two, and three, when will all these things happen? And what will be number two, the sign of your coming? And then number three, the end of the age. So the first question is, when will these things happen? He's just told them that the temple is going to be destroyed. And then they say, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They had rightfully paired his coming with the end of the age. Jesus will now take chapters 24 and chapters 25 to answer those three questions. If Jesus takes two chapters to answer three questions, it's important. And uh, it's also important to remember that he is answering three questions that they have asked. And the reason for that is if you jump into Matthew 24 and 25 and you don't understand that he is responding to their three questions, you can come up with all types of kind of, um, well, nutty interpretations. So you got to understand three questions that he's asking. Now, we can't go through the whole chapter, but in 2017, we went through the Gospel of Matthew, and when we did that, there's so much in chapter 24 that we took four weeks just going through this chapter. So that's all online if you want to check that out, and, and uh, it's certainly there, and I think it's important. So they've asked three questions. When will these things happen? What's the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, before we get into verse 4, we're going to notice that as Jesus responds to them, he doesn't respond to those three questions by saying, who cares? That's not important. It doesn't really matter. It all pans out in the end. That's not how he responds to their three questions. How does he respond? Well, verse four, it says, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it, see to it that you that no one misleads you. Now, some of your Bibles will say, see to it that, that you are not deceived or no one deceives you. The idea here is that Jesus is going to answer their three questions. He says, see to it that you're not deceived. See to it that you're not misled. The idea is that, that you're gonna be responsible for this. And this is something that's very important to Jesus. I think that in our generation, if in, in the church that I grew up in, I have the best church background ever, but one of the ways that we can be misled by these things is many of us can go to church our whole lives and we never talk about this. And we never talked about this in my church growing up. So we're gonna take a little time and, and look at this. But he says, see to it that no one deceives you. Go ahead and write this down. Jesus expects us to know this. He expects us to know this. Now, other translations, they don't say misled. My translation says misled. Other translations will use the word deceived. So there on your outline, I'm gonna read verses four and five from the NIV. It says, Jesus answered, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. 
So there's this warning against being deceived. Well, it's just a few verses down as he's continuing to talk about the last days, and he says there in your outline, verse 11, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. By the way, that word many, if you were to look that up in Greek, you can translate that word mostly. The idea is it's many in the sense of more than half of the people. Most, most of the people will be deceived on this. And then again, that same chapter talking about the last days, he's going to say, for false prophet, there in your outline, for, for false Christ, I tried to combine prophets and Christ, and I got prophets. For false Christ and prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So Matthew 24, when it talks about deception, it's talking about those who are supposed to be spiritual leaders who are deceiving those who claim to be religious leaders. But what we find, and I want you to write this down, is that a big theme of the end times, the end days, is deception. So in this chapter, it's from a religious perspective. We looked at um, some Bible prophecy back in January, and the theme was still deception. We talked about how in Revelation 18, it talks about a judgment that will come on the earth, of, especially on a certain group of people who deceived the, all the nations, literally all the nations uh, with, and the Bible says, a pharmakia. We would say a pharmaceutical. And uh, so not that whatever was causing them to take it was the deception, but the pharmakia was in fact the deception. So uh, the theme of the end times is going to be deception. So then Jesus goes and he begins to give an overview. So verse five, I'm gonna read verses five and six. It says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead, or some of your Bibles would say, deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. And you wanna underline that. See that you're not frightened. For these things must take place. These things must take place. But that is not yet the end. That's not yet the end. So as believers, Jesus expects us to know about this, to understand it. But then we're also not only not to be misled by these things, but we're also not to be frightened by these things. Now, when it says, see to it that you are not uh, frightened, some of your translations would say alarmed. Uh, You can translate that as panic. If we were to translate that today, we might use the word freaked out by these things. The, the truth is this, the truth is this, those who don't understand this will be the people who are the most freaked out by these events taking place. But Jesus says these things must take place. Uh, you're probably not going to turn that around. He says these things must take place. Verse six, he says, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. So this past week, a war broke out in the Ukraine. We, we've all seen this. What was interesting uh, from a prophetic side, from what the, what the Bible talks about, is that early in the week, Iran, Iran, however you would say that, uh, they said uh, they gave their wholehearted support to Russia. So that, that's one of the things that happened. But then Turkey at the beginning of the week said, we will not allow Russia to use our waters. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll put a stop to that. But when things happen, Turkey said, well, wait a minute, there's a loophole, and uh, we're going to let Russia go, go, go and use our, our waters. Now, why is that so important? Does the Bible talk about Iran, Russia, 
and Turkey coming together in the last days, literally naming them. Well, we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. So I find it very interesting how these are all lining up right now. So we'll, we'll look at that. Well, verses 7 and 8, it says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely, my Bible says, the beginning of birth pains, beginning of birth pains. So I put verse seven on your outline. I know many of you are very familiar with this. Verse seven, it says, for against nation and kingdom against king and pestilences, loy moi, and earthquakes. And that word is seismos in diverse places. Now, when it says diverse places, the idea is that there's going to be earthquakes in places that you wouldn't normally think that there'd be earthquakes. They're gonna be in diverse places. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Verse eight, it says, these things, when you see these, these are just the beginning of the birth pains, the birth pains. So when a woman becomes pregnant, there is this growing sense of discomfort, you know, and uh, by the time you get to eight months, you're ready, and, you know, in and, and nine months, you know, you're, you're really ready. And sometimes there are these false starts to labor. When Cheryl was pregnant with the twins, I can't tell you how many times we went to the hospital thinking, this is it. And uh, we go to the hospital and they go, no, you're just dehydrated. Then you go another time, no, it's just this, you know. Well, one day labor kicked in. But when labor kicks in, what happens is after a growing discomfort, some false starts along the way, what happens is those contractions uh, begin to intensify and they become closer and closer together, and they become more and more intense. Ladies, would that be an accurate description? Guys, you don't need to say anything on that. But, but Jesus says it's going to be that same way. At a certain point, there's going to be that labor that, that kicks in. So if you were to look at our, our world, if you looked at the Civil War back in the 1860s, that was bad. But a few decades later, there was World War I, and that was really, really bad. But then you came to World War II, and it was really, really, really bad. You know, just kind of in continued with the intensity. When it says seismos or, or uh, earthquakes, the word there is seismos, as I've shared several times, in my whole life until 2004, I had never seen a tsunami, never seen one. For me, it was always something that happened thousands of years ago on the other side of the planet, but not in the modern world. And then we all watched how it took place there in Indonesia. But then it was like, well, that's Indonesia. It's on the other side of the planet. Well, it was just a few years later in 2011 when a tsunami hit Japan. And, uh, and, and you know, the, these things are happening in ways that we never thought that they would happen. By the way, you can go on YouTube and you can type type in um, tsunamis, and there are a number of videos of a number of tsunamis that have taken place. Certainly not to the extent that we've seen in Indonesia and Japan, but those things are happening uh, around the world, and they're becoming more and more frequent. It says, nation will rise against nation. And I put there on your outline that the Greek word there is ethnos, ethnos. And uh, so it's, it's not nation in the sense of different countries, but different people groups. And, and so the idea is just about the time we think that we have this ethnos or racial thing figured out, all of a sudden it erupts, it erupts. 
And uh, it's, it's, you know, so, so we've seen that. We've seen that. And this is kingdom will rise against kingdom. And so we, we, we've seen uh, a number of these things. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. I mean, if, if you're as old as I am, North Korea has been threatening to blow us off the map since I was a kid. It's just, it, it's, it's like every few months and, you know, that, that sort of thing. But then it says famines and pestilences. Now, when it says famines, um, some of those are, are, are larger than others. Some of those are more significant than others. And I pray that we never see that in this country. But have you noticed that in our country, you go to the grocery store and there's whole shelves that are completely bare? First time in my life I've ever seen anything like that. You might notice as you go outside and you get one of our coffee cups, they're paper cups now. Do you want to know why they're paper cups? Because we can't get the styrofoam cups anymore. It's just you can't get them. And, and uh, we didn't decide to go cheaper. We just, they, they, they just say we, we don't have those. So if we run out of paper cups, you'll be getting your coffee. Just hold out your hand and we'll just <laughs> pour it in. So hopefully it doesn't get to that, that place. But we're seeing things that we've never seen before, disruptions in the supply chain. But then it says pestilences. And uh, that word pestilence there, there is loy moi. It's in the plural. Now, some of your Bibles will leave out that word. And that's sad that it leaves out that word because it's been there for 2,000 years. And so, um, but when you think of pestilences, when I went to college, it was the first time we heard about AIDS. And AIDS was certainly a, a pestilence. And there in your outline, pestilences means uh, literally the, the disease. And so we, we heard about AIDS and that was scary. And we went through that. And in 2004, when I was going to China to get my daughter Hannah, uh, we were concerned that we'd be able to go because SARS had just come out. And so um, everybody was wearing masks over there, but then things opened up. And then in 2009, it was the H1N1 swine flu, and uh, everybody was concerned about that. Now it's the coronavirus or whatever variant or whatever thing is coming out next. So we're we're seeing things, and, and, and I, I think people are wondering, well, what is next? Is, are we going to see more of that? Well, I, I think that that's quite the possibility, because Jesus says it's going to be like birth pangs. These things don't go away, uh, and we live happily ever after. The, the question is more, what are we going to see next? What are we going to see next? So we want to talk about that. When it says kingdom will rise against kingdom and ethnos against ethnos, this isn't just something that you find Jesus talking about. Paul would talk, and, and this is throughout the Bible, it talks about this. Paul is talking about the last days, and he tells Timothy, he says, you must understand this, you must understand this, that in the last days, there will be violent periods of time. The Greek word there is kalipos. And, and uh, you know, as you turn on the news, you just see that there's this crazy violence all around the world. Now, not every translation translates that word as violent. You can translate it different ways. For instance, if you have the NIV, it says terrible periods of time. Terrible times will come. Uh, the New American Standard would say difficult times. The King James and the New King James stays with the word perilous times. So as, as these birth pangs continue, don't be surprised that you see more and some of these things might be, be greater than what we saw before. 
It's important to know when Jesus tells the disciples this or God tells us this, God's not saying, I'm inflicting this on you. That's not the idea. He's telling us how it's going to be so we can be prepared when we see these things happen. You, you want to look at it sort of like the, the National Hurricane Center. You know, we have hurricane season here in South Florida. And so when they come on and they say, hey, there's a Category 5 coming your way, that's not them inflicting that on you. That's them saying, hey, you need to be prepared for what's actually coming our way. Does that make sense? So if I could just take a moment and, and just say, you know, in, in our family, we live in Florida, we have hurricane season, you know, we have 12 kids, so we always wanted to be prepared for things that might happen. So you've seen through the years, the worst time to run to Home Depot or to the grocery store is once they announce that there's a hurricane coming. And so we've always wanted to be prepared just just in case. And so we, we always have, we've always made that somewhat of a priority. Now, we're not doomsday preppers. Uh, for us, we want to be able to go, our goal is to be able to go three months, you know, just in case. We've never had to, but in case we had to. If, um, if you've done no preparation, you haven't really thought through any, any of this, this would be a good time to at least consider. I want to recommend a book. This is if you've never really considered uh, preparing for some of the possibilities that are out there. Not to, not to go years, but, you know, a, a certain period of time. And it's by a guy named Carl Gallups, and he's a former police officer. He pastors a church up in North Florida, and it's called Be Thou Prepared. Does a great job. This is if you've never really thought through preparing. Now, if you have, let's say you have a tank in your garage, this book is probably not for you. You're... <laughs> You're way beyond, um, but this is more for people who are, you know, what, what do we need to think through? What do we need to have on hand? So Jesus says, these things are going to happen and they're, they're going to increase. They don't go away, they increase. So there in your outline, verses five through eight, these things are not the sign, but they will increase exponentially as we get closer to the end of the age. So again, birth pangs are not the sign of his coming. Um, but they will increase. So Jesus continues. He gives an overview for the next few verses, and then he comes to the place where he says, I want to answer your question, what is the sign of my coming? Again, in 2017, we took four weeks to go through this chapter. You can, you can look at that, but uh, I want to go to the sign of his coming. So the disciples come to Jesus and they say, what is the sign of your coming? He gives the non-signs, but these things are going to increase. And so what's the sign of his coming? Why put verses 32 and 33 on your outline? You can read in your Bible or you can read on your, on your outline. This is where the sign begins. Now, learn the parable from the fig tree. And I put Hosea 9, 10. We'll talk about that. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near. How near? Right at the door. In the Bible, there is this term uh, we would use called expositional constancy. God tends to use certain symbols in a very constant way. So if we're talking about a dove as a symbol, that would always be a reference to the, the Holy Spirit. But if we talked about a dragon, that would always be a reference to 
Satan. So you have this expositional constancy. In the Bible, whenever the fig tree is used as a symbol, it's always a reference to the nation of Israel. That's why I put Hosea 9.10 there because God just says, my fig tree Israel. You can look that up. So he, he says, when you see, when you see the, its branch, the, the parable from the fig tree, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, the idea is after a very long winter, the fig tree, and, and those of you who, who've lived up north, you know this, the fig tree looks dead, but in the early spring, what looks very dead begins to come back to life. And so Israel ceased to exist as a nation in 70 AD. And the Jewish people moved into the four corners of the earth, and nobody ever thought that Israel could become a nation again. But when that fig tree begins to come back to life, you know that the next season, the next event is going to be summer. And he says, and when you see that, you know that I'm standing at the door, literally that close. So Israel, the fig tree, is going to look dead for a very long period of time. But at a certain period of time, it's going to come back to life. Israel is the only nation on the planet that existed as a nation, ceased to exist as a nation in 70 AD. 2,000 years, it's not a nation, but in 1948, as the Bible says, it comes back as a nation again. So when you see that, you see it come back and it begins to bloom, you know that he is near, literally right at the door. Now, verse 34 in your Bibles, he says, truly, I say to you, this generation, all of your Bibles have the word generation. You want to underline that? Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So what generation is it that will not pass away until all these things take place? Well, he's just told us, when you see that fig tree come back to life, uh, he says, when you see that, then you know that I am standing at the door, right at the door. He's not talking about the generation 2,000 years ago. They didn't see that. He's talking about the generation that saw Israel become a nation again. He says, that generation will not pass away until all these things are are done. They're, they're, they're all wrapped up. My mom was eight years old when Israel became a nation. And that generation has not passed away, um, but they're, they're, getting, they're getting up there in, in years, but they have not passed away yet. That generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, when you talk about the last days, the last generation, Israel is always mentioned as a nation back in its homeland. Now remember, Israel was not a nation for almost 2,000 years. So for instance, my people, it will come about in the, I shall bring you against my land. His people, Israel, last days, they're in his land. And so, uh, so here, here's what this means, write this down. The sign of his coming, whether it's the fig tree beginning to come back to life or uh, Israel being in the land, it all comes down to this. The sign of his coming is Israel becomes a nation again. And when you see that, you know that he is near, literally standing at the door. Jesus knows how incredible that sounds. So the next verse, verse 35, he says, 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I know it sounds incredible, but what I'm telling you, you can take to the bank. It's, it's going to happen. Verse 36, and you want to underline, of that day and hour, underline those two words, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. We won't know the day. We won't know the hour. But he told us that we will know the generation. It'll be the generation that sees that fig tree begin to bud and come back to life. That happened in 1948. So it, it shouldn't catch us by, by surprise. Then he takes the answer one step further, and we pick it up in verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand that the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. It'll be just like it was in the days of Noah. When you look at the days of Noah, most people missed what was going on. But here you have, you have on the one hand, you have these birth pangs, pestilences, famines, earthquakes, all of these things happening and, and, and increasing exponentially. On the other hand, you have their buying and selling and marrying, giving in marriage, building and planting. You know, it's sort of like life is just going on. And, and uh, you and I live in the only generation where there can be a tsunami on the other side of the world, a war on the other side of the world, and we can know about it. And, and, and for the most part, we're, you know, tomorrow we're going to get up, we're going to go to work, and we're going to go about our lives. I want you to notice how this generation ends, and we'll come back to more of this in a minute. Verse 40, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. So Luke would add two would be in bed, one, one would be taken and one, one would be left. So you have this event where one is taken and one is left. They're grinding at the mill. That's typically in the Middle East. That's done in the morning. You have two in the field, that would imply the daytime. When Luke tells the story, he says two in bed, and that would be at night. So the idea is that you have this worldwide event that takes place. And uh, it's night, it's day, and it's morning. And, and it's instantaneous. One is taken and one is left. We refer to that as the rapture of the church, and that's where that generation ultimately Will, will end. Then it says, um, there on your outline, um, well, let me just talk about this real quick. You have, on the one hand, you have birth pains, you have famines, you have wars, pestilences, and all that. On the other hand, it says they're, they're building, they're planting, they're buying, they're selling, they're giving in marriage, they're receiving in marriage. And so you, you have, on the one hand, um, we might say, and you, you want to write this down, they're uh, it's business as usual in an unusual time. We went through the pandemic and it seemed like the whole world was shut down. But it was in that time that we built this building. It was in that time that I gave my daughter Abigail to be married. You know, we, we, she got married. And, you know, so it's, it's very inconvenient. It's difficult. A lot of bad things happening. 
But at the same time, most of us, we got up, we went to work, and we went about our lives a little bit different than, than how we normally did. But, but we saw that it wasn't a complete meltdown, but there was some, some difficulty as we went. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so keep that in mind as we go. So when you say it's business as usual in an unusual time, um, and you have these things happening, but they're still buying and selling and building and planting. So you don't want to build a bunker, but you just want to be prepared for some of the things that, that might come our way. So the, the world's still going to be going on. It's not going to be a complete economic collapse before Jesus comes back. So we just read that in verses 40 through 42. Well, there in your outline, in uh, Matthew 24, 37, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Coming of the Son of Man. So what is it that's gonna be just the same as it was in the days of Noah? Well, Noah, the days of Noah, he gets one chapter. That's Genesis chapter six. Usually what we do is we go back to Genesis chapter 26 and we walk through that, all the things that happened then that would be applying to today. But I'm not gonna be able to do that today, but I did wanna highlight one thing. Uh, He says it would be just the same as it was in the days of Noah. In Genesis six, Verse 11, it says this, and I put this on your outline. It says, the earth was filled with violence. Does everybody see that? And the Hebrew word for violence is the word Hamas, Hamas. Have you ever heard of a terrorist group called Hamas? Hamas represents a religion which is the fastest growing religion on the planet right now. And he says, the earth will be filled with violence, or you could say the earth will be filled with Hamas. And uh, so we're going to see some things that we've uh, never seen. I think we're going to see more of that. But um, the part that I really wanted to to highlight today is is this. And I I want you to write this down. This is how it's going to be, just like it was in the days of Noah, when you read the story. Only a few would believe and prepare only a few would believe and prepare. And uh, Paul writes to the Hebrew believers and he says, by faith, Noah being warned, I've underlined warned by God about the things not, not yet seen and reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to, uh, according to faith. When Noah received the message from God that this was going to happen. The message was not, Noah, you can turn this thing around. You can, you, if you just follow these steps, you're gonna turn it around, it's gonna be better than ever. The message that God gave to Noah was grab whoever will listen to you and get them on the ark. It wasn't to turn it back around. Um, sadly, few people believed that message. That wasn't the message that they wanted to hear. The message was not given to Noah that your best days are ahead of you. It's gonna be great. It's all gonna come back to the way that we want it to be. That was not the message. Now, I do believe that as you follow the Lord, your best days can be ahead. I do believe that the best days for this church as far as ministry is concerned are still ahead. But as you look at the world scene, I don't think that 
the best days for the world are yet ahead. Does that make sense? So Noah's message was get prepared and grab whoever will listen. Sadly, most didn't heed, most did not prepare. Jesus says it will be just the same. So where does that leave you and I? Well, just like it was in the days of Noah, write this down. To accomplish God's purpose, God would need to provide, protect, and preserve Noah and his family. And he did. As Noah believed the message and followed the Lord, the Lord took care of Noah and made sure he was in the right place at the right time to accomplish his purpose. I believe that God wants to do that in our lives also. And then finally, let's end with this. Noah wasn't afraid, but he did prepare. He did prepare. Jesus says, see to it that you're not frightened for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. So we're gonna see some things as we go. And I know that this is not the positive, uplifting, encouraging message that you were hoping for. But it is what the Bible says. But God has a plan for you. He knows how to preserve you, protect you, and provide for you. And he will do that as you believe his message of how he says things are going to take place. The best way to prepare is to make sure that you are in relationship with the Lord. That is that we would say you're saved, you're born again. That you've come to the place where you've said, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done. I wanna be in relationship with you now and for all eternity. I wanna be yours. And if you've not done that, as I close in prayer today, you have that opportunity to invite him in. And that's the first step to preparation. Uh, because you don't want to be like it says so many. They, it didn't occur to them until literally Noah went into the ark, the door was shut, and the rains came. So you don't want that to be you. Did you find that at least interesting today? So we're going we're gonna to go through... Thank you. <laughs> we're going to go through Ezekiel next week so that you can at least say, oh, that's where it talks about Israel becoming a nation. Oh, that's where it talks about Russia, Iran, and Turkey, and some other places coming together, uh, just so that we have an understanding. But as we close in prayer today, you have the, uh, the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, and so you want to do that today, and let somebody know that you've made that decision. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for warning us ahead of time of the things that would be taking place, and Lord, help us to respond appropriately to the, the events that we see around us. And Lord, help us to not take our focus from bringing people into your kingdom uh, and then, Lord, from maybe to um, doing some other things. Help us to keep focused on what it is that you've called us to do. Lord, for those of us who've not entered into that relationship with you, we just say, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done. I wanna belong to you. Come inside of me. I wanna be yours. And he says, if you invite him in, he'll never leave and you're forever his. And now as you walk forward, walk with him, let somebody know that you've made that decision today. Lord, keep all of us until we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next time.